Welcome to Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. Arif Dean today of Mile High Sports, joined by Peter Bob, the Athletic. We're going to have a little bit of a cameo here from Bennett Durando of the Denver Post. First time uh, first time visitor of the show, but I'm, I'm assuming long-time listener, so we're just going to go ahead with that. Uh, J.J. Jerez is day-to-day, like many of the avalanche right now. He uh, was somewhere in Vail for a hockey tournament the last couple of days, so he was not at the game last night, the avalanche blowing that 4-2 lead to L.A., uh, he's supposed to be on his way back, but there is snow on the roads. I, I don't know if he's going to make it, so we'll see. But say hi, Peter. Hi. How's it going, everyone? Uh, yeah, excited to, to be back on the pod. It's been a few weeks, I think. And uh, Peter's slacking. Yeah, I am slacking. So that's that's on me. I was I was a little busy, had a wedding. I had to usher at a wedding, so it was a big honor. Um, and now we're back. He was in St. Louis. There was um, – I don't know if you saw the, the tweet when the Toronto Maple Leafs got – uh, find for flying to St. Louis early. I was there reporting on that live. Love that. Love that yeah. for you. So I retweeted, I think it was Chris Johnston tweeted that the Maple Leafs got fined $100,000 for flying early to St. Louis. And somebody responded to my tweet saying, and for some reason, this person got, I think it was 60 something likes because I kept monitoring it. He said they should find anybody that flies to St. Louis. So (laughs) I I thought I would share that with you because I'm like, ouch, that hurts. Yeah, well, St. Louis is often (laughs) – it's the jewel of the Midwest. We have another St. Louis man here in Bennett Durando. He can attest to its virtue. Well, I really just wanted to say it's great to finally meet you guys. (laughs) Long-time listener, long-time reader, first-time guest. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm on the record as being – hater of peter baugh for for many years but we do share st louis so that does hurt my Sorry, feelings i, I don't bit. like when people make fun of cities in the midwest because i'm from detroit and i've heard it all how could you live there how do you not get shot how do you this how do, i'm like you know just stop it seems so. like it seems like every approximately four and a half months there's an athlete from some professional sports league that goes on a podcast or something and and just like trashes st louis so we're used to it. We have thick skin. It is what it is. And the, and the players that play there, it has, like, one of the strongest alumni bases in the it league. Does. Like, players yeah. stay there. It's weird. Brett Hull, Brett Hull won a cup with the Detroit Red Wings and for some reason is in St. Louis getting shit-faced and schmammered when they won the cup. So I went to high school with his daughter. Love that for you. Yeah. That's great. Uh, Steve Eisenman's daughters went to University of Michigan, I think, the year after I left. So that's also pretty cool. But – so, okay, we're three minutes into this. Do we want to talk about hockey? Let's we, do it. The last podcast JJ and I did was right before Christmas. So we haven't talked Arizona. We haven't talked L.A. Uh, a total of 11 goals against, technically 10 with a shootout, and a total of six goals for and one point. Where do we start? Let's start with L.A. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a, a fun hockey game. I think that that's a, that's a tough – it's tough to blow a two-goal lead and then not get the extra point in overtime. I think you feel better if, if the Avs had been down 4-2 and forced overtime and then yeah. walked away with a point. That feels a little better. But, but yeah, it would have been nice for, for them to get the second point. But I think they're still obviously in an okay spot in the playoff standings, but they have two tough games coming up with Toronto and Vegas. So uh, it would be nice for them if, if they're able to get two points out of those games and and we'll see if if they're able to what did what did you think of the game Benny well what stood out to me it's sort of one of those games where the result in the shootout determines what you remember from the game uh all the negative moments sort of get accentuated a little bit uh Jared Bednar we were just talking with him uh after practice a little bit ago and 
a quote that you pointed out, Peter, was give them some credit to the Kings. I thought both of those rush goals were high skill plays. We haven't seen our team making plays like that for a long time. And they did that uh, twice against us last night. I thought the Avs scored some of their best goals of the season in that game. Yeah. Kale McCarr looked as offensively explosive as he has all season, sort of. It, it's funny to use the phrase vintage Kale McCarr when he's 24 years old, but that's sort of what it was. Bennett must have read my story at milehighsports.com. <laughs> like I said, longtime reader, longtime listener. Uh, the, so those, those are the moments that sort of get put on the back burner last night. Cogliano was really pissed at himself for sort of a stupid play that he made uh, that led to L.A. cutting the deficit in half early in the third period on a power play goal. He scored a goal on a pretty impressive shot, which is something that we don't see from Cogliano a lot. So, like, a game where he made an impact and instead the stuff that gets accentuated is sort of the moments that went wrong. So it, it was a fun game, a lot of good goals. It's just the result in the shootout is sort of what dictates the perception of it. I'll take it one step further. Look, the fact that it even got to overtime, in my opinion, is a a dud for the Avalanche. That's probably the, true. The fact that it even got, and for two reasons. Number one, this is a team that has prided itself all season on strong defensive play to win games. They've needed to muck and grind out victories against teams that last year, with the healthy lineup, they would have blown out of the park, whether at home or on the road. And that's ultimately what they were doing a season ago. But the biggest thing for me... And this doesn't matter as much as it did with the Florida Panthers a year ago because the Avalanche are not healthy right now. And if, I have to use the word if, they get to that healthy point, and if Landis Gog and Nichushkin are your second-line wingers, and if you have a second-line center, I don't care if you don't even trade for one. It's Rodriguez, it's Newhook, it's Comfort playing with those two. If Byram and Manson are back, if you have that full healthy lineup, obviously Nathan McKinnon, you're going to win a lot more regulation games than you have been. But right now, if you look at the standings, the Avalanche have 12 regulation wins in 34 games. That's pretty nuts. Not only is it a factor of, like, this is how hockey is played in the playoffs, which was the big thing with the Panthers last year. They ate up so many three-on-three points, and by the time they got to the playoffs, it's like, oh, there's no three-on-three overtime. Look at that. We're not as good. Not only is it that, but the number one tiebreaker in the standings is that RW column. Hmm. It's no longer row. It used to be the regulation or overtime victories. Once three-on-three was introduced, they changed it to regulation wins. Right now in the Western Conference, all six teams comfortably sitting in a top three spot, Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Vegas, LA, and Calgary, all have 14 or more regulation wins. The Avalanche are in the first wildcard spot with 12. The two teams behind them, Seattle, has 14, and Edmonton has 17, which is just mind-boggling how bad they've been in overtime. But Considering they have... <laughs> Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, etc. Yeah, so... That's the biggest thing for me. When you look at the Eastern Conference, which, again, this goes back to the fact that you said they're still comfortably in the playoff race and in a playoff spot, I have no issues with how the team – I have I, – it's not time to panic like it was with the Golden Knights last year where they were kind of dropping down the standings because the West hasn't been as strong thanks to, obviously, teams like Minnesota dropping off, even though they're right there with the Avalanche a point ahead, uh, St. Louis dropping off, Nashville, et cetera. In the Eastern Conference – the only three teams with less than eight with less than twelve regulation wins are the Canadians, the Flyers, and the Blue Jackets. That's it. Wow, I I think that the Avs do deserve some credit though because Nathan McKinnon, whether it's against the the Leafs or the Knights, it seems like he's on the verge of returning, and they did weather that storm of. Nathan McKinnon-less games. Yeah, they they absolutely did. And that was kind of I think a big test for this team of. They're not feel obviously they're feeling pressure like you want to be in a playoff spot at all times but like they didn't fall out of a playoff spot and now are needing Nathan McKinnon to come in and carry the team back to that um, but Miko Rantanen 
played as well as he's played in a, probably his whole career, and they're now, I mean, at least in, I think they're in the sixth spot by point percentage, which isn't great, but considering the injuries, it's fine, and now you're getting McKinnon back, and we'll see, like you said, about when Nachushkin comes back, when Landis Scott comes back, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, it's been, I believe, 12 games, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. If you include the Flyers game, the game he was injured in, it's been 13 games. Uh, the Avalanche since then have gotten back Nachushkin, lost Nachushkin, uh, lost Cogliano, got Cogliano back. Uh, a lot has gone on since, but yes, they ultimately did weather it, but the schedule helped with that too. Like, let's face it, they played the Bruins and the Rangers they lost. They beat, they, they lost twice to the Bruins, which was before McKinnon got hurt the first one. But they played the Bruins and the Rangers they lost, and then they went on that little bit of a run where they beat St. Louis out of the playoffs, Philly out of the playoffs, Buffalo out of the playoffs, Nashville out of the playoffs, Islanders kind of teetering in and out, kind of struggling right now, but a hot goalie, Montreal out of the playoffs, Nashville out of the playoffs. Obviously, they lost to Buffalo in that. Um, and then Arizona and L.A., two beatable teams, two be- winnable games. They lose both of those. In, so, in fairness, a lot of those teams that were out of the playoffs are still solid teams. Yeah. Like, like those aren't bad wins. No, no, no. No, absolutely not. And in the NHL, I mean, you saw Arizona. My, my favorite thing about the NHL right now is, like, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Look how good they've been. Uh, I saw a tweet from Elliot Friedman yesterday that the Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes have played four times in the calendar year 2022 because their two meetings last year were like January and March, and this year was October, December. Just take a wild guess how many of those Arizona won, how many Toronto won? Uh, None. Yes, it's none. The Arizona Coyotes won all four games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So this is the NHL. This is just how it is. I mean, the Avalanche last year lost a shootout game to Arizona. I remember the the, the game was on – and a regulation game, yeah. So um, it is a little bit tough, but uh, ultimately they did weather the McKinnon storm. They're still comfortably in the standings right now. They're sitting pretty well. The biggest question for me isn't are they going to make the playoffs or not? Are they going to be comfortably in the playoffs? Because they could very well get McKinnon back today or you know tomorrow against the Maple Leafs. They can get Landeskog back in, let's say, 10 games, and then they can go on a run even just with those two guys back. Without Manson, without Byram, without Nachushkin, and whoever the hell else is hurt, Frank Frankie's out. Helm is getting close, obviously. Martin Kaut getting close, but he wouldn't play if they were healthy. Um, they can go on a run of like ten and two, just by getting back ninety-two and twenty-nine. Before the season, if we had sort of envisioned where they're going to be at the new year, this is a pretty ideal situation, I think. Right? I mean, like, I, I, mean, I, I guess as the injuries developed is a more accurate way to put it. Um, but I mean, 19, 12, and 3, half of their games have been one-goal games, and they're 9, 5, and 3. Good for deadline writing. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, <laughs> but, I, I mean, they're, the phrase that we've used is weathering the storm or treading water for two months now pretty much, and they've done exactly that. So yeah. it sort of feels logical that if slash when they are healthy, they're going to rip off one of those. 10 game yeah. stretches that sort of thing last that- year peter if you remember i think you mentioned this yesterday at the game they went on a 21 and one stretch it started in mid-december ish oh, i want to okay. say or right after they had, the weird game in nashville. they had the weird game in nashville that was one of the losses of that stretch i believe so it started in early december they had that loss in nashville three weeks off or whatever it was came back in january it was had another loss in Nashville. Had another loss in Nashville. Yeah, that's true. They did have those couple losses. But it was a stretch where it was five wins, a loss, five wins, an overtime loss, ten wins. Um, are they going to have that good of a stretch? Probably not. But you know what? The Tampa Bay Lightning were dominant 
in 2019, lost in the first round. They were less dominant in 2020, won the cup. Even less dominant in 2021, won the cup again. Even less dominant in 2022 because all they needed was to make the playoffs. And they were two games shy of winning the cup again. The big thing right now is, and I've, I've said that like four times already, but the big thing right now is the standings is one good week and one bad week away from the sky is falling, we're all good, the sky is falling, we're all good. That's why I kind of want to tread that middle ground. Because the Avalanche collected one of four points in these two very winnable games. The Arizona Coyotes granted a travel day in the whole scheduling thing, which is an entirely another story. I think I'm going to go deep with JJ on that on Sunday. Um, just that entire rule. The second game, a game where they had a 4-2 to victory. If the Avalanche collect three more points in these last two games, if they beat LA, which they should have, if they beat Arizona, which maybe they should have, they have 44 points. They would be one point back of the Winnipeg Jets with two games in hand. They would be six points back of the Dallas Stars with three games in hand, which is enough to make up six points. Obviously, you have to win the games in hand to make it up. But by losing it, they are now two games in hand on the Winnipeg Jets, but four points back. So you need to win both those to be tied with them for second. One back of Minnesota with a game in hand, so you can obviously pass them with a victory. And then Dallas is the only one you're chasing. Nine points back, you can make up six with your games in hand. So they're still in a very comfortable position where three straight wins in regulation or something, and you know, you want to have those tiebreakers when you can get them. So regulation wins are important. Three straight wins in regulation, you're feeling good. Granted, on the other side of that, if you lose to Vegas, Toronto, and then you have Vancouver and Edmonton, you lose one of those two games, let's say Edmonton, it could be a little bit worse than it is now because then Seattle's jumping you, Edmonton's jumping you, and then you're kind of chasing like Vegas was a year ago. It's sort of silly that it, it felt so important that they win that game in Arizona just because this three-game home stretch is pretty tough. But, yeah. you know, it's December 27th and they're, and they're traveling day of the game. But, it, you know, in, in hindsight, you can sort of say, like, man, it really would have changed the outlook to win that game just, be, just because of these three and the way they – I mean, I can see them losing these next two easily, and then it's an 0-3 homestand, so, well, with one point at least. But but still, it's it's one of those one points that felt like it should have been two. In a month from today, they're going to have played 14 more games. Um, assuming nobody else gets injured, realistically, how many guys can they get back in a month from today? McKinnon, Darren Helm. Maybe Nachushkin. Maybe Nachushkin. Maybe Landeskog. That's, we'll see with Gabe because it is a little bit weird. He but hasn't like, been on the ice. So yeah, it's hard that's to say. that is a He's little. He's gonna bit. have to con get conditioned. Uh, the one thing with Landeskog is we're getting sort of close to the uh, January nineteen will be twelve weeks, I believe. From that, yes, injury. the Chicago game, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I think it when at the outlook of that uh, timeline estimation, the Chicago game would have been the one to return. So if, if Landeskog is on the ice within the next. 12 days i'm confident he'll play in january because what that's january 12th give him give him even a week and a half to skate with the team he'll return around january 22 23 what they go on that they go on that trip calgary seattle vancouver it's 17 20 or 18 20 21 um even if that's when he starts skating i'm confident he'll play in january because i think two weeks on the ice will be will be plenty I think it's going to take a little more time. Yeah. I just think if he takes the ice, with and the I and I just think even when he takes the ice, it's going to be a little long. Like the, he hasn't skated yeah. at all since what over the summer. He didn't skate at yeah. all during camp. Like that's a lot of time off the ice. That's true. That's obviously true. he's doing conditioning yeah. work and stuff, but it's going to take a little. bit. But of regardless, time. so you'll 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 get back McKinnon. You'll get back Darren Helm, uh, possibly Nachushkin. 
honestly, who the hell knows with Byron and Manson. Maybe Cow. Maybe Cow. Frankie will be back to being a goalie that can actually split the duty with Georgie a little bit. Um, well, my point to say all that is they've played 34. They have 48 games remaining. If you play the next 14 games with a still injured lineup before you feel a little bit better about your lineup, that's going to get you to 48 games where you then have 34. So picture in a month from today, let's just say Landis Cog does come back or he's close. Everything that they've already played so far has been 34 games. It feels like a lifetime. They'll have that much time for Landis Cog to get acclimated, McKinnon to get acclimated, for the depth or for the chemistry to build, for the trade deadline to come and go and, you know, possibly add more team, more guys. There's plenty of time to go on a run is basically what I'm trying to get at. Even if it takes another month, that still leaves you with 34 games after a month from today, you know, winds down. So that's kind of where I'm getting at is there's plenty of time for even if Gabe doesn't come back with 34 games left. He comes back with 25 games left. I could see him putting up, I don't know, 12 goals and 20 assists in 25 games. And then you're in the playoffs and you're like, oh, Gabe's ready. Gabe's ready. McKinnon's ready. We got Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, Jonathan Taves. Insert name here <laughs> as your second line center or some other winger, some other depth forward. And suddenly you're feeling good. It's just I'm not at a place where I can feel like the sky's falling. As no. boring of hockey as December has been, it's just been a drag. They've won a lot of those games, but it has been dull, which is what made the Kale McCarr. A lot McCarr, of three-on-three three overtime. Which is what made the Kale McCarr excitement yesterday very reminiscent of last year where the Avalanche actually pushed together and scored three, four, five goals in, in, in a little stretch of time or in one period. Um, you want to see more of that, you will, if this team gets healthy. Any thoughts on yesterday's game? Not a ton. I think the it's interesting how Bednar has – I asked him today about the Gerard-Eric Johnson pairing and if he'd consider splitting those two up because they have been on the ice for a lot of goals lately. And, and he had kind of mentioned that on some of the five-on-five the five goals last night, they were um, – I think he described it as uh, like a, loose gaps or whatever. And I thought it was really interesting that he kind of – he pushed back a little. He said, I'm not considering splitting them up. And he also, he said, let me be clear that neither of those five on five goals were on Johnson and Gerard. He put the blame in that conversation solely on the forwards, which I agree. I think definitely the first one, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. felt a little more on new hook. And the second one, the breakdown started when Cogliano tried to break a puck yeah. up. Um, the gap control was bad. Bednar said that's going to happen because they're playing catch-up kind of. So I, I get what he's saying. I think that there's still more to be desired from that second pairing. And I think that's where you feel the absence of guys like Manson and Byram because what that can do is if you have two pairs, your top pair you kind of know is going to bring it every night if it's McCarr and Taves. If you have two good if – you, if you have a good second pair and a good third pair and one of them's having an off night, you can – you can rely on you the can other one. you can rely on the other one. You can if one player's not looking good, you can kind of taper off their minute. Yeah, and right now they just they're playing Anglin and Hunt in sheltered minutes, and I think especially Anglin has done a really nice job in um, sheltered minutes. In thing. sheltered minutes, but you can't play him as much as you play Johnson or Gerard, or, or he clearly doesn't have that confidence. So I think there's more to be desired from from that pairing. Um, again, I don't think as with a lot of this stuff, I don't think it's time to like ring the panic bells or anything like they're they're okay but um that that's something i'm going to be monitoring kind of over the next few games is that pairs progression yeah this team has five strong defensemen 
six, like I'm not dissing Eric Johnson, but they have five very, very capable to have a 25-minute night if they're feeling it. And then Eric Johnson's a clear number six, and then there's a drop-off when it goes down, whether it's McDermott, McDonald, Hunt, England, whoever the heck else you want to call up, there's that clear drop-off. The problem right now is of those five big names, they're missing probably the third and the fourth best in Byram and Manson. Uh, third of the fourth, third and fourth most uh, important to the team right now. So now you're left with – you obviously have McCarr and Taze playing crazy minutes. You have Jard playing crazy minutes whenever he's having a good game. And then your number six guy who is clearly below the other five is having to play 20, 21, 22 minutes sometimes when he probably shouldn't be at this time of his career. I'm not going to say probably. He shouldn't be at this time of his career, but you have no other choice. If Jared and Johnson are having a bad game, what can you do? Are you going to break up Kale and Devon? Like, you, there's just – there's no options there on D. As much as there's no options on forward because a lot of these guys they're calling up and trading for and acquiring off of waivers are not producing – any points like pretty much at all there's even fewer options on defense right now so you kind of just have to cross your fingers if you're jared that these guys have a good game or you're just gonna have to weather the storm and deal with it which yesterday they were not able to just saying there was about a two second stretch last night where we thought england was gonna score a game winner. oh my god that was incredible <laughs> he went and so that was very i won't Eric have Johnson. you slandering like, him <laughs> look i love i love andreas england i said this on the last show with jj that uh, call it a hot take, call it whatever the hell you want to. I genuinely feel England has been a more valuable depth defenseman than the Avalanche even had last year with guys like Johnson and Murray, who were valuable when they played, and Murray even was a top-four guy at some point. Jack Johnson was too, kind of-ish. Um, he was listed as top-four, yeah, but never would. played <laughs> top-four minutes. But England isn't getting injured as often as those guys. He's been a very reliable number seven, number eight D-man, but right now he's a number five, number six. Well, England is getting to the point where I would not be – like he, he's at the point where I, I wouldn't distrust him in a limited role in a playoff game. Neither would I. Neither like, would which I. is I would not have anticipated at the start which of is, training. Which game. is what I'm getting at is if – you're in the playoffs. You have your top six, which is the same top six you had a season ago in the playoffs. And then Sam Gerrard gets cracked and breaks his sternum. And you got to call somebody up to weather the storm the rest of the way and kind of use. Play sheltered minutes, yeah. all that. Yeah, Who could have said 15 months ago that you would have called up Jack Johnson to take over for Sam Gerrard and play every game the rest of the way and the Avalanche would lose one, two, three of them? Yeah. Who yeah. could have said that? Yeah. And you were fine with it. There was no bashing of Jack Johnson throughout the playoffs. The freaking Avalanche lost this game because of Jack. This guy ruined it. Oh, my God. They need Gerard. There was none of that. That's ultimately what I'm getting at with England is you're feeling more comfortable of having him as that 7-8 spot. Because, look, and the reality is I know the Avalanche only used 7-D last year. That was very, very rare. Like, that doesn't happen. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, the year they won the Cup, their three extra defensemen were Shattenkirk, Bogosian, and Luke Shen. you got to have NHL-capable guys to be ready to go, which is why it was really weird when they started with McDermott and McDonald. We were all like, well, Brad Hunt's in the AHL. Shouldn't that be the guy? I don't think any of us really thought much of Andreas Englund, and here he is. He's been, of all the AHL guys to have come up, he's been the one. I'm counting Myers in a separate category, but like Englund's been the one who has most, like, I think, made the case of, like, who has played his way into staying on the roster. Yeah, I could see that. I could see him being the number seven defenseman with a healthy lineup. He was supposed to just be McDermott. So, 
Yeah. And he's been more than that. Yeah. So that I mean, that's what it comes down to. Well, so. yeah, he does the McDermott thing. He did, yeah, being and a he, tough. Big he does guy. it well. He's there. He's still John going to the box last night. But he's also <laughs> very much. He's he's more skilled. Like we're not making fun of McDermott or dissing yeah. him to say that he is a more skilled player. Um, what I like about him is like. This is a 26-year-old guy that was drafted in second round in 2014 by the Ottawa Senators. He's played NHL games before. Granted, it's been a couple years. I think since the COVID shutdown season 2020 was the last time he played a game. But he had a couple of stretches with Ottawa where he was a call-up. And here in Denver, we're used to guys like that. Nick Holden, once upon a time, was 26, 27 when he finally broke out. Nate Gennon was like 30 the year that he finally became that guy. So, like... Unlike these other guys, Andre Sengland is a little bit older. Uh, well, Brad Hunt's older than him. But, like, unlike, you know, the younger guys like the Jean-Luc Foodies and the Cal Burks and the guys you're calling up on the forward side, on the D side, you're calling up a guy who is right there and ready to take that next step, and it's kind of sink or swim. And he's – I don't want to say he's fully swimming. He's swimming. He's got a life jacket on, but he's doing it. He's doing the thing where he's showing that he should be around. 57% scoring chances for – Andre Sengland? Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty and, damn good. And he's a – he'll – past 200 minutes and tomorrow against toronto so. yeah and and the big thing with him like his first couple games i believe here let me pull it up he had yeah yeah no well that's the thing like we thought it was a disaster at first because both of those were game tying goals that yep. they led to i'm pretty sure yep. yeah like consequential moments i like how does that even happen twice sort of thing but i mean those are he's been nothing but pretty responsible with the puck responsible away from the puck Ever since then, it's just funny that those are sort of the two first impressions that he has completely overcome. Correct me if I'm wrong, the, that game against Carolina where the goalie went completely berserk, the Avalanche had the lead the entire way, or did they get the lead late? I forget how that game went. That game, it was kind of, I think, they the, the Avs 17. led 2-1 after a new hook goal. Canes tied it after England and then and they Francis. And then they got another one and made it 3-2. Or something like that. They won in overtime on Lekkonen scored and made it. That's 3-2. what it was, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean in the England play, I don't want to get too. We don't need to get too off track, but the the way Bednar described it, he thought that the England Francois collision was a little more on Francois for not. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, that. But we don't have to get into that. Regardless, England has been a bright spot, um, a bit of a surprise, but certainly a solid player, and I think one who's making a case to stay. Moral of the story, that Carolina game was his second game in the NHL, and the Avalanche were not – second game this year in the NHL. The Avalanche were not chasing in that game, and he only played eight minutes. Yeah. And you kind of started to feel like, oh, here's another Dryden Hunt, here's another Martin Cow, here's another all these guys that they call up and play for three, four minutes because the coach doesn't trust him. But since then, it's been 13, 11, 12, 14. He played 11 yesterday, 12 against Arizona. He played 15-01 in that game against the Blues where they were chasing – well, kind of chasing. They gave up the lead late and then tied it up even later. Uh, the one on uh, the one in overtime when Brandon Saad scored a shorthanded goal. That game he played 15 minutes. Yeah, so he's like, earning trust. He's earning the minutes. When he's playing better, you're seeing his ice time go up. When he's not playing as good, you're seeing it go down a little bit. So um, all good on the Andreas Englund train. Um, what do you expect? Let's just do a little quick preview of the Maple Leafs game. Uh, we'll start with this softball, which is going to – require some predicting but do you think Nathan McKinnon plays I'm gonna say yeah so I don't have any inside info there but I I think that I told I was talking to Bennett I I've said I think he's gonna want to be back for the Maple Leafs game because yeah. 
Nathan McKinnon loves to play against the best in the Maple Leafs. Do you remember the game he came back for last year? Yeah, it was against the Maple Leafs. In Toronto, and they lost 8-1 to or 8-2. to Yeah, they they cut it to 3-2. They cut it to 3-2, and then they couldn't. And then they lost 8-2. to My guy, Jed Alexander. Jed Alexander was the backup goal. That was a great experience because it was this whole thing about Kemper's going to play, Kemper's going to play, and then Kemper went down, Frankie was still down. So then they had to put in Johansson. I remember Chris Johnson texted me something about – there's a, you know, because we were at the Scotiabank and, and he said, there's something about an emergency backup goalie situation. And then second intermission, I'm looking for Peter, first intermission, and I can't find him. And he comes back and he goes, yeah, I just went to talk to Chad Alexander. I'm like, of course you did. He's sitting in the crowd somewhere and Peter wrote a story on him. So I could see him coming back in that Toronto game too. I believe your exact words, Peter, the the prediction for tomorrow were, were that history would repeat itself with the... Uh, McKinnon returning and and perhaps and going poorly. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> I I wouldn't say go. I think here's what I think will happen. Nathan McKinnon will have ten minutes where he's rusty. It's usually that's usually in the games where he returns from injury. It's usually his first like Which is three fine, four shots in the first period. Anyway. Exactly. So yeah, they'll that'll just so. I'm just I think that maybe there there might be a a bit of a, a slow start. I think Georgiev is more capable of weathering a Maple Leafs push than poor Jonas Johansson was last year um but we'll, we'll see I'm excited for for that game I'm excited to see Dryden Hunt in the new threads um really really excited to, to see I I'm predicting a Dryden Hunt goal tomorrow for the Maple Leafs Dryden Hunt for the Avalanche beat the living snot out of Thomas Nosek of the Boston Bruins um which sounds great if you're a Leafs fan but Dryden Hunt for the Toronto Maple Leafs got absolutely pummeled and jumped by Jack McMahon at the Arizona Coyotes yesterday that was hard to watch you got a few wins Think there will be a tribute video? No, oh, dear God. They're going to put a thing on the Jumbotron that says thank you. And the, the same the 25 game Dryden Hunt era. God, one goal. This season has been like, if the Avalanche genuinely win another cup this year, I can't wait to sit back and be like, remember Lucas Sedlak? And then remember <laughs> yeah. when he got claimed on waivers and they claimed another guy and they're like, can we just call you Lucas and give you number 22? And then he got claimed on, wa- or he got traded away too. And what a season. Then ask for his contract to be terminated in Philly. Yeah. He said, yeah. I'm. Uh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm no, done with, sure. I'm done with the, the NHL if I'm not playing for the Avs. I wanted to play for Jared, not John Tortorella. I'm out of here. By the way. I know, I know. Uh, I'm, just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, by the way, but uh, I think Kale McCarr got to 34 points in 34 games he, last he's, night. He's finally at a point per game again. Nathan McKinnon, 34 points in 34 games, even after missing the last few weeks. Yeah, I still yeah. think I still think 100 is very doable for him. Nathan McKinnon, if he's back. In these so Nathan McKinnon games. is yeah. on pace, I believe, exactly for 100 points. If you include, like, if, if he the, plays the, the, the pre-injury rest of the games. pace, yeah. If he, it's it's not in 82 games. It's in. I think he's missed 13 or 14 yeah. in 69 games or whatever it is. He is on pace for exactly 100 points. So if he plays the rest of the way and has the same production he has had all season, he'll get there. Yes. Which, I wouldn't be surprised if he hits like 104 and be like, I'm not just going to get it. I'm going to pass it. Like, <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. He's He's been that good. He just has to be healthy and not need any more time off. Um, I'm kind of waiting to pull up his stats. There we go. 34 points in 23 games. So if you multiply 23 by 3, that's 69 games. If you multiply 34 by 3, that's well over 100 points. It's 103 or whatever. Yeah. When they first announced the four-week timeline to a month, I sort of embellished it a little bit and went high because the Avs' tendency has been to under... Not with Nate, as as we're finding out right now. But, But the tendency has been these injuries take longer than, than they're expected yeah. to. So I 
sort of banked it on him missing 15 games, I think. And with that pace, it came out to exactly like 100.2 points. Yeah. And now he's three, four. I don't have it in front of me, but that about that many games ahead of that schedule. So if he plays against the Maple Leafs, he has the ability to play 71 games at the current point pace that he's at. That would put him at 104.9, 105 points. Wow. If he plays 71 games at the same pace he's been playing. So we'll see. I am genuinely, I genuinely believe he's going to play that game. I think he'll be back for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs game because what Jared said today made it sound like he probably is going to be ready. He's going to say, fuck it, I'm, I'm playing. So with that... Avs might have a, another double-digit score finally tomorrow yeah. night. <laughs> they still do not. It's wild. <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to end the show with a little bit of a funsies thing over here that these two guys uh, dragged and screamed, made me do. Just kidding. I'm actually excited for it. We're going to do a snake draft of Avalanche players this season on the team. So, going to have a starting Peter, you got to stop talking not on, not into the thing because we're not going to hear you. <laughs> not Peter's trying to talk not on mic, not which on is, mic. it's great because Very I it's sort of a perfect symbol for my relationship with Peter because I just tune him out <laughs> anyway, and now everyone else can experience that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a snake draft. Peter's going to pull up a random order for us, and we're each going to draft three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. We're going to have a lineup each, and uh, that includes, obviously, guys in the system because we need more goalies. Um, well, one more goalie, and I'm sure we all know who it's going to be. Um, but let's let's do this. All right, and uh, so we're going to do a random number generator. Arif, you're number one. Bennett, you're number two. I'm number three, and I'm going to click the button now. You can watch. Number one. So you have the number one pick. So i got to go first. You've got to go first. Uh, do I should I click it again to decide who gets second? Okay. Three. I have the second pick. Okay. And Bennett. Bennett is so the. So you have the best pick because you just yeah. get to take the one that I don't pick and. Yeah, I'm I, in. I'm in great shape. I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm gonna start with Kale McCarr. Interesting. I. I am uh, going to take uh, Mr. Nathan Raymond McKinnon. Kale Douglas McCarr for me. Man. Um, I'm I, I'm actually very comfortable with this spot. I really love going three four. Uh, Anton Bleed, mate? No, no. I'll, I'll uh, back off of that. He's, I'm gonna go with uh, a forward and a and the D man. I'm gonna take Miko Rantanen and Devon Taves. All right, goes right back to Peter. Well, then I'll just have a little little left wing for Nathan McKinnon. We'll just just have Gabe Landeskog in there. And uh, oh dear God, I just realized that me and uh, me and this guy are going to have terrible centermen. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take a left wing for insert centermen here at a later time, and that's going to be who's the guy I asked about every game last year? Val. Val Nichushkin. You get another pick. So, Oh, yeah, that's right. So, oh, everyone keep track of their teams, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I'm keeping track of my team. It's going to be hard to keep track of your teams, but I'm going to assume what players already yeah. got. Um if I'm not going to have a good center, I'm sure as hell going to have a good defense. So I'm going to have a nice, beautiful pairing of Byram and Makar. That is a, a fun pairing. Um, I think I'm going to go... I, I'm going to... I'm going to wait, actually. I am going to... <laughs> <laughs> I know what he was going to do. Come on, Peter. I'm going to take... Artur Lekkonen. 
Attaboy. So, Arturi Lekkonen is off the board. And I have my forward group is solidified. All right. Draft philosophy question. Do you guys prefer the double pick situation that Arif and I are in? Or, or would you rather have... I, I prefer the double pick. I like yours a little bit more, but I don't hate my pick either. Peter is forced to wait two picks between every pick, but maybe it's a little more balanced. I sort of felt like my job was pretty easy with rounds one and two. When What'd you do, Rantanen and... And Taves. All right. Who's, who's the next two? I'm, I was sort of trying to kill time because I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing. We're, so we've reached a point where I'm, I'm trying to decide at what point a goalie has to be taken. Um, because if I don't if I don't go here and one of you takes Georgiev, then the other's gonna feel like your hand is forced to take Francois and I don't really want to end up with the third. Just take them both and play one at D. That would be that would be <laughs> a choice. Um, Two picks. I'm gonna take Georgiev. Okay. He's played very well this season so far, above expectations. First job as a as a regular starter in the NHL. Um, feels weird to take him third, but but I'm talking myself into it as we speak, and I think I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna take Evan Rodriguez. Oh boy. I thought about Comfort, but I'm I'm gonna go with Evan Rodriguez. I've quite enjoyed watching him play the last few games yeah. since he got back. I think Evan Rodriguez was the right pick there. Um, I honestly, I thought about taking him instead of Lackanen. Um, I decided Lackanen's big goal pedigree. I, I was, I wanted him. Um, I'm going to go with Pavel Frenzos. I, I think that, <laughs> I think that that is a. a I hope my defense wins me something because I got nothing else going for me right yeah. now. Yeah. Because now I am at a point where I know who my goalie is going to be, so I don't need to pick him now. I need two forwards. The entire top six is gone, if you include Rodriguez. So Rodriguez, Natrushkin, Lekinen are all gone. I have Val. Gabe, Miko, and Nate are all gone. So now I have a pick of the litter, and I need two of those litters. So, obviously, JT Comfer is my center, playing with Val Natrushkin. Um, and unfortunately my right winger and i don't even care if this sounds like an insult to whoever the hell i'm going to take right now uh is between cagliano new hook o'connor fuck <laughs> myers um, count myers uh, shut up <laughs> malgan 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 is actually one of my choice um all right i'm gonna regret not taking the hard worker but i'm gonna go alex new hook with Comfort and Nichushkin. I think you had to go skill there. I think that's yeah. the right pick. Um, I'm going to go Josh Manson. Um, so I have I have one pick left for, for my last defenseman spot. And you still need a defenseman too, right? Yeah, so go ahead and take the yeah. other guy off the boards to leave him with. Yeah, so I have I – have, I need one forward and one defenseman here and these are my last two take, picks take the defenseman so that peter could be stuck with a manson and uh <laughs> well i'm i'm a little torn to be honest i'm not i don't i don't i don't feel super sold i'm also trying to figure out which forward i want because 
I could go a couple ways with this. You can go Connor. You can go Cagliano. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. One, it's one of those two. Um, I'm gonna take this. This group needs a leader. I'm gonna take Andrew Cagliano. Love that. <laughs> um, Assistant, alternate captain. You know, he does. He doesn't have a ton of years left. This isn't. This isn't a, a futures draft necessarily, but. Um, but he's a locker room guy, as is O'Connor. But uh, but I'm going to take Cogliano, and uh, I I actually Gerard has been worse than EJ this season, but I think I'm going to take Gerard. Love that. Okay, so that means Peter is left with a pairing of Manson and Eric Johnson, which Bingo. you know that's not. They were on the ice. Both of them were on the ice with less than two minutes left when the Avs won the Stanley Cup. So, yep. I would Eric Johnson was leading the Avs in plus minus for a while this year. I'm okay with that pairing. And no disrespect to everybody's nicest third goalie in the NHL, but I'm going Eustace Anunen. Wow, wow. So, <laughs> I have a lineup of two guys that are injured and one guy who's in Loveland. So I <laughs> hope Makar Comfort and Newhook. So here's what I got. Yeah, read our teams and we'll have yeah. we'll vote on these. We'll I, vote I feel on like these. I'll, can, have, yeah. I'll have Peter put out the vote because he's got more followers. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nichushkin, Comfer, Newhook. That's Byram it. and Makar. That's great. Eustace Anunin in goal. So Arif probably has my analysis is you probably have the worst forward group and the worst goalie of the three of us. But a much better D than both of you. But a phenomenal D. Yeah. Um, which brings us to my team, which. My forward group's kind of sick. Uh, we got Landeskog, McKinnon, and Arturi Lekkinen. Uh In the back end, we've got Johnson and, and uh, Manson. Solid, sturdy. Can break the puck out. Okay, I'll show you my Byram and Makar. <laughs> uh, and then I've got Pablo Francis, who won the Edmonton series for the Avs. Yep. So we'll take it. And Bennett's lineup is? Uh, at forward, I've got... Cagliano, Rodriguez, and Rantanen. Yep. I'm, I'm happy with that. A good mix of we've got a mega goal scorer. He's on a 58-point pace right now. I'm just going to remind the voters of that real quick. goal pace. Um, uh, Rodriguez playing real well. Uh, love his skill. And Cagliano. Good guy, too. Cagliano, grinder, defensive player, locker room guy. Uh, T- Taves and Gerard, my defense pairing. I'm happy with that. I think it's probably the middle, maybe, of, of the three. And then Georgiev, I have the best of the three yeah. goalies. So. so you have two right defensemen. You have two lefties. I have the yeah. <laughs> solid left-right. And, hey, look, it. Here's this, look, the reality is Comfort and Nichushkin are hard workers. Newhook's got some skill. Makar can score goals. Makar and Byram could keep goals out of your net, especially with a strong fourth tricker like Nichushkin. So I'm going to put my team up against both of yours, and I think I would win. I think my team would win. Taves is making all the plays to, to quiet Peter's forward line. Um, Cogliano, we've got, we've got a penalty killer. And Cogliano, with our, with our forward group, Erod does it all. Rantanen's scoring 96% of my team's goals, but that's all right. Yeah, I'm pretty content having uh, a guy who has three top three heart trophy finishes. A guy who scored two overtime winners to send his team to the cup final. Nathan McKinney can't, can't even hit 100 <laughs> points in the NHL. Yeah. Come on. I, and, and, uh, and another – and the same guy who also – Gabe Landeskog, you know, now that I think of it, he played really well in the playoffs last year. He and played really well all year last year. He played year. really well all year. You know, I would actually go out on a limb and say he's a pretty darn good hockey player. Yeah. And I think my forward group is sick. 
I think Eric Johnson and Josh Manson, that's a good defensive back end that also has some offensive skill. I mean, look at some of the things Manson's done this year. Um, and then in net, Pablo Frenzo is holding it down. I take. I think I would beat Arif's team in in a five-game series or in a seven-game series. I'd beat you guys in five. And Bennett's, I would beat you guys in seven. All right. So I think we would beat Peter's team in six. I think I would beat both your teams. Most importantly, we're gonna we're gonna call it a podcast. We're gonna put this up, and then we're gonna get that vote going as well. Um, I really genuinely mean this when I say it, but if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out you. <laughs>